Today's episode of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you in part by East AsiaSoft, publisher of the recently released PS4, PS3, and PS Vita exclusive Rainbow Skies, available for purchase right now on the PlayStation Store. Rainbow Skies is an open-world, turn-based strategy RPG, and is a sequel to 2012's Rainbow Moon, also available on PS4, PS3, and Vita. Rainbow Skies is cross-buy and cross-save, and limited edition physical copies of the game are also available. For more information on Rainbow Skies, as well as Rainbow Moon and a ton of other PlayStation-exclusive games, go to EastAsiaSoft.com or follow EastAsiaSoft on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Why, hello there. To receive each episode of Sacred Symbols three days earlier than the public, totally ad-free. To have your questions, comments, and concerns read on the air. To hear your name in the end credits, and to score other cool perks, please consider supporting this show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. Not only will your subscription net you benefits for Sacred Symbols and allow this show to continue into the future, but those benefits also carry over to other CLS shows too, including the video game-centric YouTube show SideQuest, the retro and nostalgia-themed podcast Knockback, and the eclectic interview series Fireside Chats. In other words, you're getting insane bang for your buck. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, Sacred Symbols and CLS couldn't and wouldn't exist. Now, on to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the first ever Maiden Voyage. Maiden episode. I don't really like the word Maiden, but I'm going to keep using it. Of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined by my co-host moving forward, Chris Raygun. Chris, thank you for joining me. Of course, man. Anytime. How are you today? I am very, very well. You Oh, you see, yeah. you know language. You know English, really, because <laughs> some people would say you're very good. And that's obviously not proper. You went to the gym today. Yeah. So you're a little bit you, you you have this 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 energy. Yeah, I'm about feeling you. spry. Yeah, look at you go. Yeah. Look at you go, Chris. Now, friends out there that are listening to this 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 first ever episode of Sacred Symbols, what is it? What is the show? Well, it's a PlayStation podcast. It's a PlayStation podcast that I think fills a niche or niche, if you want to say it like that. I don't, so I don't want to. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm tired of everyone correcting me. It's niche. This is America. We don't talk the French language, Chris. Here, but there's a niche or a niche. For a PlayStation podcast, I think, for hardcore PlayStation fans on the market. And and a lot of people might remember that I was co-host of Podcast Beyond at IGN from 2009 to 2015. And then I co-hosted a short-lived PlayStation podcast called PS I Love You from 2016 or 2015, actually, to 2017. And there's just a void there. There's just nothing for players like me and players like Chris. And and so I wanted to make a new show. And, and Chris is the guy. So, Chris, thank you for dedicating your Monday afternoons to me. No, of course. I would do it. In a heartbeat again. I appreciate it. Well, I hope so. I hope we do it 100 or yeah, 200 we'll or 300 more times. times. Let's just keep doing it every day, all day. Nothing but sacred symbols. Now, how did I find Chris? And who is Chris? Well, Chris Raygun is... Well, I'm going to let you explain your, to yourself. Chris is my friend. He's a buddy of mine who I met when I moved to LA. And I felt a kind of kindred connection to you. And I like you. And, oh, well, that, that, that's good. And so here we are. And, and so uh, explain to the people who you are, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Reagan. I make uh, political uh, comedy videos on YouTube, and, uh, you know, I've been slowly kind of, I don't know, I, I've always wanted to do stuff on video games, and I feel like this is, like, the perfect outlet for it, you know? Because I don't, I don't know how my audience reacts to that stuff, because right. they're, in, they're in for, like, hey, I want you to, I want, I want to see you make fun of things, and, you know? And, but, and we know, can do I, that here. 
Well, yeah, but I just like I just like talking about video games. Well, I, I, mean? I I like you talking about video games too, and that you know so. I marinated as uh, marinated on this idea for a while to do a PlayStation show, and and after I left, kind of funny, and and there's a void in the market for for this kind of show, and 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 so I wanted to do it, and I wanted to find the perfect host, and it took me a while to find the perfect host, but you know, knowing Chris and seeing him kind of cursorily talk about games in his own ecosystem, where his audience maybe is not always super keen on that, they want him to take the piss out of someone or make fun of something, yeah. as he was saying. I thought that he was the perfect guy. He knows video games. He's a gamer. Chris, you're also a little younger than me, which I'm actually excited about because it gives a different perspective for people that aren't old and curmudgeonly like I am oh, yeah? at the ripe old age of 33. Multiply my age by two and a half and you'll have my accurate actual age. So somewhere in the 80s. <laughs> but there's an important thing that I want to state at the very top before we get into the show are a few things. The first thing is that, you know, Chris is known for kind of political commentary. I'm also known uh, in corners for political commentary. This show will get political when the games or the industry calls for it. But I want people to know that this isn't an inherently political show. I identify as conservative. Chris identifies as liberal. We have all of our opinions, but they're not super relevant here. So, yeah, if, yeah. so if you're kind of turned off by political talk, I certainly am getting fucking tired of it myself. I'm getting real sick. I'm getting yeah. so, so jaded. I, exactly. It's not even fun anymore to talk about this stuff half the time. You're you're welcome here. Everyone's welcome here. It doesn't matter who you are, what what po- political you know ideology you subscribe ascribe to. I don't care. Chris doesn't care. You're welcome here. We're not going to come in and talk about Donald Trump or anything like that, unless Donald Trump puts tariffs on video games or something, in which case we'll we'll talk about that. So I wanted to be clear about that at the top because I think that might confuse some people that they're welcome here. Um, the other thing is is that you know we're going to figure this show out as we go along. Chris and I have done an episode of my other show, Fireside Chats, together and have had great and enlightening personal conversations, but we've never done a podcast on a, on a roving basis together. And so we're going to learn how we do this together and we're going to learn how we do this with the audience out, out there as well. So keep that feedback coming and let us know how we're doing. Um, Chris, I got to compliment you on that beautiful shirt you're wearing. Oh, yeah? We'll take a Twitter picture and put it up, maybe an Instagram picture a little later to tease this, but it's a beautiful shirt. It has a PlayStation, like a white PlayStation logo on one side over the breast yes. and then uh, the sacred symbols on the other side. Which it's a good shirt. Nice. It's, it's a good shirt. PlayStation uh, iconography so looks so clean on like everything you put it on. It's insane. It, it, it's true. It's awesome. I think our logos are awesome too that my brother Dagan designed. Um, I actually turned down some of the designs because they looked too much like something PlayStation made and I was afraid they were going to get <laughs> mad at us. Yeah, he, he made this one design. Maybe we'll put it out at some point. He made one design where it's almost a, a periodic table with four squares that are chosen and those are the four symbols and I'm like this actually looks way too much like so- something Sony would do so <laughs> it looks too good yeah it looks <laughs> this is too good let's be clear this is not gonna we don't want the show to be too good <laughs> we don't want the show to be too good Chris when I when you and I went out for lunch when I pitched you on this show you had a concern which I want to raise for everyone out there to know like what kind of show this is going to be right? yeah. about PlayStation I think people inherently know this but I want to speak candidly about mm-hmm. this at the top you asked me rightfully so about can we say anything we want on the show? Can we take the piss out of a game, criticize a publisher, all that kind of stuff? And to that, I say, of course, of course. One thing I can promise you about this show, and I know Chris feels the same, we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you how we feel. There's going to be, we're never going to hold our punches. As you saw at the top of the show, if you're listening to the public feed, this episode's actually sponsored uh, by someone who makes games. And we're going to talk about one of those games in the show because I'm playing it. And you're going to hear honest feedback about that game for better or for worse. <laughs> and that's the way it's going to be moving forward. So you can always count on that uh, for us. From yeah, us. I'm, I'm really happy about that. I, I was, it's, it's one of those things where it's like I, I think that's just a concern in general. Is like if, and whenever you sign on to do something, it's like what, how, much, how much freedom 
<laughs> do I actually have? And you have maximum. I was immediately relieved. You have maximum freedom to ooh, turning <laughs> around to say freedom. you have maximum the maximum allotment of freedom to say whatever you want. That's uh, the most American thing ever. It is. Well, maximum freedom. Maximum freedom. Now, there are a few things that I wanted to touch on again before we kind of get into the run of show. Again, I want you guys to help us and give us feedback. What should we do? How should we kind of do this show together? I have a run of show that I think will make a lot of sense, but people might have some different feedback. The first thing you have to know is that this show is a, a Collins Last Stand product, just like Fireside Chats, just like Colin, um, just like Knockback, etc. But, you know, it also exists on its own, on its own podcast feeds, etc. So you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, on Google Play, etc., on SoundCloud.com slash Sacred Symbols. If you want the show three days early and you want other perks and you want to support us, then go to Patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. That's how you're going to get your questions read on the show, your concerns read on the show, all those kinds of things, your input. That's how you're going to get three-day early access, ad-free access, et cetera, and so on. So your support there is incredibly essential. And, of course, review our show, share our show. Now, Chris, let's start here. I want to know what you're playing. What video games are you playing lately? Let's start there. I've been playing uh, I'm playing Detroit with uh, my girlfriend, actually. It's actually like a really good co-op game, weirdly enough, even though it's like strictly single-player. Right, enough. right. What, uh, do you, what do you think of it? I, I my, my take, it's my game of the year so far. It's your game of the year so yeah, far? Yeah, it is. I'm curious what you think of it. It's uh, it's it's David Cage. Sure. <laughs> I've, I, I'll be honest. I've never been like the biggest fan of like uh, David Cage's prior things. Like I, I thought Heavy Rain was okay. Uh, I like this far more than anything I've played from him since. You know, uh, in the, back in the day. But it's definitely one of those games that I don't think I would have played if I didn't have this kind of co-op thing going on. You know, because I, I don't know. I just feel like I could... I, I like very gameplay heavy, like Doom and you sure, know, sure. stuff like that, where it's like the game just never stops. And uh, for Detroit, I really like it. Probably the best thing that I've seen him do, but it's still kind of in this genre that I'm not like, like super keen on. Yeah, it's the it's kind of like the it's not I don't I, it's not a visual novel and it's also not a walking simulator. which yeah. I hate that term too. But yeah, it's that it's that interactive movie thing that Quantic has been doing. Quantic Dream has been doing for like 15 years. And yeah, it's a very weird genre that that. I don't even really. Yeah, it's not a walking simulator. It's I wouldn't consider it on the same level as. Uh, I wouldn't even really compare it to The Walking Dead or any of those Telltale games either. It's like a weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah, it's high. Well, it's higher budget, I would say, than Telltale games, oh, right? So, it, so it, yeah. it kind of removes it from that. It has that first party pro, like provenance, which I think adds some gravitas to it. To, yeah, to it, yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not. I think Quantic Dream is completely hit or miss. And I think Heavy Rain was a big hit for me. I think Beyond mm. Two Souls was a huge miss for me. And so I went into this game with no expectations, and I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I, I was I was really pleasantly surprised, not only and with its social commentary, which I think is a little heavy-handed at times. E- well, <laughs> the androids get on the back of the bus and shit like that. I'm like, all right. But, you know, I think what I respect the most about it is is how hard it must be to make a game like that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially with the, the branching pants. Like, that was the thing that, like, impressed me about it was the the sheer amount of thing choices cuz i didn't feel like heavy rain had that many choices you know what i mean it was you had some va- like variety but this one's pretty insane yeah it's it's cool it's it's the perfect length too which i think is nice it doesn't overstay its welcome yeah. which i think some quantic dreams game quantic dream games in the past have done but uh you said you're playing with Lacey, your girlfriend how is she is she able cuz i was playing a little bit with with Erin and Erin my girlfriend actually played it by herself too which i thought was hilarious and she, oh, yeah. she's like trying to platinum it for some reason i'm like what <laughs> what have i done you know what have i done to this girl is she finding that it's it's fully immersive and interactive when you're playing in other words Erin was kind of finding it hard to tell me what she wanted me to do because everything's kind of on this roving timer um, yeah, and, and she, so that kind of interrupts the flow a little bit 
Yeah, I mean, well, I've been playing it. She's been like just making the choices. But sometimes I don't. I don't think she's not a huge gamer, so she's she's not familiar with some of the the iconography. I don't even think she noticed that there was a timer on your choices for a while. So sometimes she would just like stare, and I was like, okay, I guess I guess I'm pressing square now. And she's like, why you do that? She was upset. But, yeah, yeah. She was upset. But she's pretty. She's pretty uh, immersed in it. It's been a while since we've uh, we put it down because like VidCon and E3 and all right. that stuff. But I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah, don't wait too long, man. I I I made that error error when God of War came out. I stopped playing Nino Kuni too. I was at the very end of the game, and then I went to God of War, and then I tried to go back to Nino Kuni, and I, I have to start the whole game again because I have really? no I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> you know, like I was like I I opened the save. I'm like in the middle of a town. I have like yeah. a little prompt that I'm supposed to do something. I'm like I don't know what's go- I don't even remember how to play this. I feel like that happens a lot with me with uh, Bethesda titles. If I put them down for a long time, I'm just done. It's funny you say that because I just downloaded... Well, I have Fallout 4 hard copy. I gave it to my friend who lives in like Echo Park. You know, I'm seeing him 4th of July and I'm like, ah, I really want to play it. So I, was, I did the math where I'm like, how much would it cost me to get in an Uber, go to Echo Park, get it and come back? And it's like 30 bucks. Yeah. And then I'm like, how much would it cost me to buy all the DLC because I want to play Far Harbor and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff? And then I just ended up literally just buying the Game of the Year edition today. It's cheaper that way. So you yeah. know what? Keep the fucking copy of Fallout 4. <laughs> Jay. You also were telling me, Chris, that you're playing Titanfall 2, which I'm super interested in. That came out in the fall of 2016. Yeah, it's an old game. Yeah, well, how are you How are you doing with that? It's weird. Be- I feel like if you put a grappling hook in anything, I will play it because I feel like grappling hooks are severely underutilized and they're incredibly fun, which I think Spider-Man kind of proves because that's a game entirely based on grappling hooks. Yes. And, uh, you know, I played it a little bit, didn't get too into it when it came out. But a lot of my friends had like got it recently. I guess it, there was a sale or something, and they're like, "Hey, you should play with us." And I was like, "All right." And then I got into it, and I was like, "It's really fun. It's a really solid shooter. I'm actually really surprised at how much I genuinely enjoy it." And I don't know why. I, I think I think that game kind of got messed up because it came out at like the worst possible time. It wasn't it released in between like uh, Call of Duty and Battlefield yeah. or something. It was, yeah. They, they, it was not a good. Not a good window. No, as far as I understand, Electronic Arts' idea was to flood the flood the zone basically with two EA shooters of a triple A marquee kind of yeah. status in order to compete with Call of Duty, and ended up Battlefield One survived, but it yeah. ended up cannibalizing Titanfall, unfortunately. And it sucks because that's it's, it's it's a really good game, and the single the the campaign in that game is actually surprising. Like surprisingly good. Yeah, I I I'm a, I'm a single player game. This is why I'm so excited to have you on the show, by the way, because you're a you're a uh, a more mechanical based online multiplayer kind of like that kind of, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah like not that you don't like your single player games but I just watched a video of you recently where you were going out and playing in Halo, you know Halo online and it was when you were teaching people how to grief people or whatever <laughs> online which I thought that was a great video yeah and uh, I loved that that adds like another tapestry to the show because I don't play games online like I don't play multiplayer games but I do love yeah. first person shooters and I love playing the campaign. So I played the Titanfall 2 campaign, and I really enjoyed it, too. I was frustrated for two reasons. Number one, there's one trophy in it I don't have, which is a Oh, bl- no. So, so I couldn't get the platinum. Is it's- that like an OCD nightmare? Oh, dude. Aaron accidentally signed in as me and played a game two days oh, ago no. and got one trophy in a oh. game I never want to play. And I like oh, no. it like ruined half my day. <laughs> I was like, what am I? Because you can't delete them. But anyway... There's that. There's one bronze trophy where you have to like beat a a, a speed like it's a speed run through this obstacle course. Right. And I'm like, fuck this, I can't do it. Um, I'm not I'm not good enough at it. But I was surprised by how good the and fluid and fast. Yeah. Um, almost Doom light. Uh, yeah. That's the Titanfall two. I felt. liked it. It wasn't too long and like it was like a t- nice tight experience and it had a level in there that was like mind blowing at the time. Yeah, I, I I loved it. So I'm glad that you're getting around to that. And yeah. I thought you know, way behind. <laughs> Well, no, that's fine. I'm way. I mean, like I just said, Fallout Four is even older, and I'm about to jump back into that. But 
you're right that that fall 2016 that window and i liked call of duty that year too i, I like call of duty's campaign so i actually interestingly thought titanfall 2 was the weakest of those three games from a campaign standpoint but i wonder if i went back and played them played it now if i would feel differently about it um either way respawn is making a star wars game apparently so oh wow that's what Oh, yeah, that's right. It was that random yeah. uh, cutaway at E3 where they put a microphone in front of a random guy in the audience. Yeah, that was totally planned. That was, yeah. Hey, Andrea, kick it to this man in the audience so that we can talk to him about whatever. There's another game you were talking about called Next Up Hero. I don't know what this is. What is this Oh, no, game? it's no. like um, I only just started playing it last night, so it's very, very fresh. But the concept, I think, is uh, I th- every time you die, you, you can, like, recruit one of your past dead selves to fight alongside you. It's really weird. So like you go through the you go through the game and instead of it's almost like instead of leveling up your character I think there is a little bit of that. This is a very recent game. I right. played like maybe an hour of it. But uh it's pretty cool because I feel like it's every time you die it levels your character up in a little bit because you get more allies to fight with you. So it's almost like I don't know, it's so it's really weird. It's cute. It looks like it's kind of like a bastion looking game. Cool. It's, so uh, it's a cute little, uh, cute little thing. So I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to look like into it. that. Yeah, I love, I love, I love, not necessarily smaller games in scope, but but get off the beaten path, kind of off the radar yeah, games. Yeah. That especially now, because it's so quiet. There's there's nothing coming out. I mean, even when I was looking at the games coming out this week, there's there's nothing. There is a game called Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered. What? Remastered? Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, oh, yeah. A, is it not a typo? Yeah, no, it's Re Dash Mars Dash Turd. Oh no, that's coming out. I think I liked Red Faction Gorilla back in the day. Yeah, that was the one with the destructibility. Yeah, think, right? yeah. Yeah, that was like, a, yeah, all right. Well, that's a THQ uh, Nordic joint, I guess. We'll get to that in a minute. For me, Chris, I'm, I've been playing two role-playing games. I'm a big RPG gamer, as a lot of the, the, the listeners know or will get to know. Mm-hmm. One of them is Rainbow Skies. And for those of you who li- are listening on the Patreon feed, you have not heard the ads. But again, the publisher of Rainbow Skies, East Asia Soft, is sponsoring the first four episodes of this run of shows. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. You can take everything I say with a grain of salt, literally everything I say, good or bad with a grain of salt because of that. I think it's a really good game. If you like rainbow moon, the original one, it's a very nerdy turn-based strategy role-playing game, very deep and very expansive, but Mm -hmm. also very formulaic. So it's not going to be for people that like story. It's not going to be for people. It's like for people that like dragon quest where it's as opposed to people that like final fantasy. That's I think a good way of putting it. So what I mean by that is dragon quest is not, especially back in the day, not story driven at all. I love Dragon Quest. I couldn't tell you what any of those games are really even about. But they're fun to play because you're grinding and you're completing side quests and you're building up your reservoir of money and your equipment. And if you're into that sort of thing, which I am, I think, you know, Rainbow Skies is probably going to be for you. But if you're not into that, I mean, I skip the story sequences with the start button when I play it. I don't even oh, really? yeah, I don't even care. I don't care. <laughs> so, but there's there's some deep flaws in the game, too. I think it's a little verbose. I think the menu, like, it's so deep. There's like, I'll show you when we're done. There's so many like mechanics in the game and so right. many like little lists where it's like, here's your side quest list. Here's 17 kinds of side quests. Then you go to oh. those and here's like, like it's two, bloated. Yeah. It's like, it's almost hard to even know what you're doing sometimes. So if you're looking for something a little more organized, you might want to go in towards a more, more open world role-playing game direction. But if you're looking for something cool, especially on Vita, that's where I'm playing it. You know, Rainbow Skies is, it might be for you, but I don't want to talk too extensively about that because again, I know there's a conflict of interest here and yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm shooting the shit. The game that I do want to talk about is a game called Lost Fear. And boy, oh boy, do I, yeah, what I, is that? I've I can't fucking handle it. I can't, can't handle it. Yeah, I can't. I can't take it anymore. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What do you mean? It's bad? Um, yeah, so... <laughs> it's bad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See? We're, t- we're talking honestly and candidly. Uh, Lost Sphere is the second game from Tokyo RPG Factory, which is an, an, an internally incubated, small internally incubated studio at Square Enix. Um, and their charge was to make old school role-playing games. So mm-hmm. their first game was I Am Setsuna, which I absolutely fucking loved. I loved that game. That came out in 2016. It was a PlayStation 4 exclusive. It was on Vita in Japan. And it was a game about sadness, and I loved it. It was su- it's right. chrono. Tri- it's kind of like somewhere in between sixteen and thirty-two bit aesthetic. And I am Satsuna was about it was it was all snow covered lands, and it was about this girl named Satsuna who was on a journey to sacrifice herself for the greater good. And it's this really sad, somber game with this beautiful piano soundtrack and really, really well done. Really captured the essence of those old '90s RPGs that we loved, or maybe you didn't love them, but I loved them. Right, and. They made it in a really short time, too. They made it in, like, 18 months, which is an unheard of amount oh, of time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're even getting the cycle down of how quickly a game is made. People that listen to Knockback, my retro podcast, when we did about uh, one about Final Fantasy IV, will know that that game was made in, like, a year with, like, six people. So back in the day, the teams were smaller and the games yeah, were made yeah. quicker. I mean, like, all the Crash games came out a year apart from each other, didn't they? It's yep. Sure. It, the dev cycles were way shorter. Exactly. The expectations were lower. The tech was easier to deal with. And, our, yeah. you know, and games were just in some ways, not as good. Um, yeah. And people didn't expect like engine overhauls every single... Right, exactly. <laughs> every single installment. That's exactly right. So what we got with Lost Sphere, which is their second game, they made it in less than 18 months. Mm. And it's just boring. That's so sad. It's just boring. And I, I, I loved I Am Setsuna more than most people did, and so I wanted to give this game a fair shake. Mm. And I'm like 35 hours into it, and it's so boring. Well, if it doesn't grab you in 35, 35 hours... I should have stopped earlier, Chris. It's maybe. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe a little bit. Like, I just felt bad almost. Like, I bought this game. I wanted to give it a fair shake. I wanted to see what they were trying to do. You know, and you can skip the text in it. And eventually, I just started holding down the options button. And this text would just keep oh. running. And I'm like, I can't. So, the haste is pretty visible. Right, exactly. So, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why am I actually doing this to myself? It's time to move on. Um, so that's Lost Sphere. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't. I don't recommend it. I never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's. One I remember. Of those... I remember. Which is weird because I remember hearing about uh, Setsuna. Yeah, like, well, a lot of my friends actually liked it. I am Setsuna. I think didn't reach. Didn't do as well as Square, Square Enix wanted them to. I guess, but they did give them a second chance. And this makes you wonder if they're going to make another game or not. Because uh, I don't know. I, I just. I, I. I don't recommend. There's so many better role playing games. All right, Chris. The next thing I want to do in our run of show, if this makes sense to you, is to kind of talk about the news. Yeah, I think that this will be a good way for us to kind of have some conversations and um, the audience starting with episode two will be able to submit their questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas on Patreon. What I'm going to do on Patreon for two dollar and up a month subscribers is on Wednesdays, I'm going to post a thread and people can just go there and post all their thoughts on there and then we'll select pick and choose and kind of put them in here. So for now, it's just going to be you and me. But in the future, in future episodes, integration is the future. It is. Leave your comments below, (laughs) like, subscribe and share. This rate, podcast. rate five stars. All right. This is an order, by the way, I think of importance for us, but you guys can be the judge of that. Uh, number one, and I really am, I'm really curious what you think of this, Chris. Number one, the saga surrounding Sony and its lack of cross-platform support on PlayStation 4 continued this past week. 
For starters, Sony Sean, Sony Sean Layden, who is the president of Sony Interactive Entertainment America and chairman of Sony's first party studios, was asked by Eurogamer about the company's stance on this hullabaloo, which isn't exactly a new problem, but one that bubbled up recently because of Fortnite, which is playable across platforms, including Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. Let me jump in real quick to say that you guys are, might remember that this was a problem with Dust 514 on PS3. This was a problem with Rocket League. This is, so this isn't a new problem, but this is yeah. the biggest game that this was ha- that this was happening and why we're talking about. Well, yeah, it's also like the biggest game in the world right now. Ex- exactly. So th- Jesus. It's, so Layden told Eurogamer this quote: "We're hearing it. We're looking a, a lot. We're looking at a lot of the possibilities. You can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game." I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community, while at the same time supporting our business, end quote. So, the usual corporate speak from Aladdin. I wouldn't expect anything differently from him. But a far more interesting comment came from Bethesda's Todd Howard. And I love this. I don't know if you saw this. I love this. I did see. Who, <laughs> who noted that while Bethesda would love to include that feature in Fallout 76, cross-platform play doesn't exist in Fallout 76, he said that they can't do it. Quote, Sony is not as helpful as everyone would like, end quote. <laughs> So what do you make of this? Do you think that this is a big deal or do you think that this is like a whole lot of nothing? I'm of two minds with this myself, so I'm curious to see what you think. I Here's what I think. I don't think it will affect them all that much, but I also think it would benefit the industry greatly for them to just kind of let this happen because this is a great – this is a consumer-friendly as, as you could possibly be to just allow people to play on the platforms that they want to play on with everybody else who's all, who are also on their platforms of choice. It's like one of the main things that like I hate about consoles is the fact that yeah, I can, well, we have different systems and we can't play together even though we have the same exact game. It sucks. Yeah. So the fact that they're kind of withholding, especially, that, especially now that we know it's possible. Because I had this thought like a long time ago that's like, oh, that's not happening because it's physically impossible. But it, evidently not if the Switch can do it. If the Switch of all things can do it, <laughs> I know the Switch can barely run a game. So yeah. it's a, it's an amazing it's an amazing <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I think that it's it's one of these strange situations where, on one hand, I think that it's not a big deal. I think that no one really cares. But at the same time, you're right. This kind of holds back the the more agnostic kind of situation we're going to find ourselves in in the future in, ga- in games. And Sony is kind of playing. Sony wouldn't act like this if they were losing. So no, no, it it does. It's a bit of arrogant. This I feel like this happens a lot. Is that a console will be on top for a little bit and then they'll kind of forget to be cool, <laughs> you know? Right. Because I, I feel like the Xbox 360 kind of did that when you know the Xbox 360 did a really good job at, in that whole generation, and then the Xbox One came out and it was. Uh... Yeah, sports Call of Duty yeah. TV. Television. Sports Call of Duty TV. Cable. Cable, yeah, it was great. I definitely want another cable box to plug my cable box into another cable box. It's oh my great. God, so convoluted. Um, I think that, you know, I didn't have too deep of an opinion on this until I saw Todd Howard's comments about Fallout 76 because for me, I was like, well, this seems to be a more endemic thing. And so I read into that a little bit more where I'm like, this is... I can name on the top of like off the top of my head a few developers that would really talk shit and not get, and get away with it. Kojima would be one of those guys. Uh, Todd Howard would be one of those guys. Obviously, maybe you'd get, get guys like Iga or Inafune or someone like that. But yeah. it's it's pretty rare. Um, and while Bethesda is more in bed with Microsoft than traditionally has been for a long time, that I don't think is really relevant because Fallout 4 certainly sold more copies on PS4 and they know yeah. that. So. I read into that and I'm like, this is becoming a sticking point for people. And I wonder if it's going to hinder PlayStation getting certain features or if developers and publishers will be bold enough in the future to be like, we're not bringing games to this console until you play ball with us. Um, and I and, and I don't know that they would do that now, but that could be a problem in the future. 
Yeah, it's it's the way things are going. I think if if Fortnite is doing it and Fallout, one of the biggest franchises of the last, you know, of the 21st century is going to do it, this is going to be something that's going to be continuously, you know, improved upon as the industry grows. So I I just I don't know why they would hold back. For some reason they've just kind of continuously done the right thing this generation, but um you made a really good point that it's possible. So why not just do it? And I like that Microsoft has been showing that things, seemingly impossible things, have been become possible on Xbox One. Yeah. Um, for instance, backwards compatibility is not natively built into Xbox One. That's a software and emulation solution that they came up with after the fact. If they can do that... Sony can definitely then, do it. Yeah, then Sony can do fun things on the PS4. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have like PS Now or something, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about streaming in a minute, so we'll come back to that. Sure thing. Number two. July's PlayStation Plus games have been revealed and are available for you as at the time you hear this. So if you're a PlayStation Plus uh, subscriber out there, make sure to go just, you could just go on PSN and ding it to download, like basically acquire the game. You don't have to download it to your system. And then if you want to play it in like five years, you'll be able to do so for free. So there's a little pro tip for you. For PlayStation 4, the port of Quantic Dream's PS3 exclusive Heavy Rain is free. As is Absolver, which is some sort of online martial arts combat game. I have no idea what that yeah, is. Yeah, I've never heard of that. On PS3, Rayman 3 HD and Deception 4, The Nightmare Princess are free. It's a great name. And on Vita, you can grab Space Overlords and Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma. Zero Escape, of course, is pretty popular. So not a great month for PlayStation Plus. Yeah. It's been a while since these, you know, Xbox Live or PS Plus have had, like, particularly fantastic... I, I can't remember the last one Yeah, me, that I was particularly yeah. blown away by, you know what I mean? And what's disappointing, too, Chris, is that they're, they're getting rid of... Well, for me, anyway, they're going to start, you know, kind of sunsetting Vita games. So my assumption is I think they're going to start doing that maybe in March of next year or something like that. You think so? Yeah, I think that was the date they identified. They also identified that date as the date that they'll stop making physical Vita games. So... I, wonder, I didn't even know they were still making Vita games. They are, but it's only through like, you know, the, um, well, Rainbow Skies is a great example. Again, advertiser, right. take what I say with a grain of salt. They're one of those things where they make like a thousand copies of it physically, but otherwise, you you know, and you could just buy it from them or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, not a great month for a PlayStation Plus. Although if you've not played Heavy Rain, which I assume Heavy Rain came out nine years ago. So my assumption is that I hope you've played it by now if you're listening to this podcast. Nine years? Yeah, 2009, I think, is when it came out, right? Or 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it's 2009. Well, it's been a while. You guys can correct me, of course. I'm sure you will. Yeah, uh, if you have not played Heavy Rain yet, especially if you're kind of more familiar with Detroit and you like Detroit, go back and play Heavy Rain. It's a little bit stiff and weird. You, like, use the triggers to move and stuff. It's a little strange, but fun game, nonetheless. Number three, the MPD Group has revealed the top-selling games in the United States for the month of May 28th. Or for the month of May, I don't know why it says May 28th. Including, with rare exception, both retail and digital sales. Xbox One and PC exclusive State of Decay 2, which launched midway through the month, took the top spot. With wow, PS4 really? exclusive God of War launched in mid-April, taking the second slot. Quantic Dream's PS4 exclusive Detroit Become Human was only on sale for five days in May, yet took the third slot. With Far Cry 5 coming in fourth. Other games of consequence to this audience include Grand Theft Auto 5 at 6, Rainbow Six Siege, which is amazing, at 8, NBA 2K18 at 10, and PlayStation exclusive MLB18 The Show at 11. Uh, as far as hardware is concerned, PlayStation 4, unsurprisingly, the yeah, best-selling yeah. console That's not a surprise. of the month. What do you think of those sales? Did you play State of Decay 2? I did. I played it for... I actually really like it. It's buggy as hell, but it's, like, really endearing. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I wish I wish Microsoft put more, like, development time. Because with, with more development time, that could be a really fun game. But uh, I enjoyed it. I'm surprised that it took the top spot, though. Because I, I saw that game, and I was like, that's not going to sell well. But I mean, it didn't do well critically either. I, I was surprised. Yeah. I was really authentically surprised by that too. Half a month on this, so like two weeks worth of sales, 
MPD graciously is counting digital sales now, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, this isn't technically an Xbox One exclusive. It's also selling on PC, which certainly helps. I wonder if I wonder if this takes into account the, the that Xbox Game Pass, all the people who downloaded oh, yeah. that. I wonder. I wonder. It can't, right? That can't I be I guess fair. not, because it's not technically a transaction. Yeah. But that's even, you know, to your point, that's even more impressive, because they're certainly, if I, if I, had an, if I was an Xbox One gamer, I wouldn't buy shit, because of yeah, that, because yeah. of Game Pass. So that Game Pass is really cool. I have it. Yeah, it's an ama- I mean, an amazing value. So yeah, no, it's cool to see State of Decay two up there. I know it didn't do critically well, and I know people have been making fun of it and stuff. But oh yeah, it's definitely like way broken. But I think there are like really, really good mechanics in that game that I haven't seen really anywhere else in any zombie games. And uh, I don't know, it was a pretty good break from the tedium. Yeah, from the, from the summer from the summer dog days. Yeah. Rainbow um, Six Siege is doing really well. That's what I was saying. You know, I said I Rainbow... when that game came out, everybody hated it. Yeah, well, it, it came out in 2015. Yeah. So to have it at number eight in 2018, you know, is, is, is I mean that's Grand Theft Auto Five kind of shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's insane. Bunty's been like, uh, Bunty's been dragging me to play it. It's supposed to be great. It. I mean, I've played it a little bit. I remember going to Ubisoft to play it before it came out. And again, it's not my kind of game, but I've been really impressed with Ubisoft's stickiness with it. Like they. They released something that wasn't really driving interest. I think it came out in December, which was a weird time to release a game. Yeah, and and they just they it, it reminds me of, of of certain other games where they just stick with it. And you know, like Warframe is a great example. Yeah, like this game that just quietly chugs along, based on really a dedicated publisher and de- dedicated developer. I've been hearing good things it. about that too. Like I hated that game when I first played it, but apparently it's like super good now. And I think they're doing similar things with uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. I remember that came out and didn't do too well, but apparently it's. They're, they're sticking with a lot of their games, which is good. Games these days, as you know more than I do because you play more games as a service and you play more of these online shooters, they, yeah, require, yeah. they require your attention. And yeah. so, and through your attention will come money. So you're, pay, you're buying that $60 copy of Destiny 2 and then you're spending probably twice that much on the back end on the game and, and it behooves them to try to hold you. And so I, and because that also hurts their competitors. So it's a really wily kind of situation, like economic situation out yeah. there for, for multiplayer games. Um, and anyone, like... Battle Royale games and all that kind of shit. The yeah. shit you're seeing, like, kind of come out. You said earlier, actually. You said earlier that you're a big fan of the Call of Duty campaigns. How do you feel that uh, the next Call of Duty won't have a campaign? I'm super disappointed. And will instead have a Battle Royale mode. It w- I was really disappointed because Call of Duty, to me, is the remi- is the yearly, the annual reminder of how good a shooter can feel. I mean, that's that's what I always said. I've been a, a staunch and a longtime supporter of those campaigns because I'm like, this is the way a shooter should feel. Um, and I know that there's some down months or years and there's some up years and some people like Treyarch and some people like, you know, Infinity Ward and whatever. Yeah. I personally like Raven, but they're on fucking Call of Duty, Map Pack Duty forever now. What did they make? Singularity. They made that Wolverine game in 2009. Oh that my God, really that was good. a good game. Yeah. What? They made a Call of Duty game? I didn't know that. They make, yeah, they make, they're like, they're like back end support. They're like a small studio in Wisconsin or something. Oh, weird. I think their first game was like Hexen or some shit like that in the, in the 90s. So I know people have their preferences and this doesn't affect people that deeply because I know obviously people are playing Call of Duty online. I'm probably the rare breed. Yeah. Um, and clearly they saw an economic reason that they didn't have to include the campaign and it's, and we'll see how it hobbles their sales. I'm certainly not going to play it, but I'm one man. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. The Battle Royale thing should be attractive, but could you imagine putting a Battle Royale game into development now? You're gonna eat shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> more power to you. Follow your vision. Number four. I'm curious what you think of this one, Chris. Mm-hmm. Sony-owned developer Sucker Punch isn't going for historical accuracy with its upcoming PS4 exclusive game, Ghost of Tsushima. In an interview with GameSpot, Sucker Punch co-founder Chris Zimmerman said the following: "Quote: The way I think about it is, we're going to deviate from historical truth. We just want to do it intentionally." A lot of the support we get from our friends from Sony in Japan and our Japanese friends in Sony US and all the cultural consultants we've assembled to help us do this stuff is to make sure we don't deviate accidentally. 
There are things we are going to do that are different and we want to choose wisely, end quote. Zimmerman has a few examples. So he talks in the in the article about how like the sound effects are going to be real. Like they sent right. people to Japan to get like authentic Japanese birds that are chirping in the background and stuff like that. And he says the dialogue is authentic. And I love this. He says about how in the original script, uh, someone walks up to the protagonist and says hello to him. And they cut that out because that wouldn't happen. They wouldn't say hello to each other. They'd, they'd simply say each other's names like Chris, Colin. That's how they would greet each other. So there's little like pieces of immersion like that. And there's another example about how the protagonist's horse has a name in English, but if you play with the Japanese voice track, he has no name because in Japan, they don't name their horses. Oh, that's kind of neat. So there's cool stuff like that. But then he was talking about how like the armor and fighting styles, the game takes place in 13th century Japan, but he's wearing like 18th century armor because okay. it's just aesthetically more pleasing. The sword combat is obviously very arcadey. It's not going to be like Bushido Blade with one hit kills. They were talking about how if you swung a katana into someone, that's game over. For yeah. a normal person, like there's <laughs> like, but in, obviously they have to make a video game. But what I'm curious about with you, Chris, and 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 we can have an, I think an interesting conversation about this. Mm. Do you think Sucker Punch is preemptively getting ahead of the the predictable outrage that Ghost of Tsushima might generate? Because we saw a little bit of it at E3 when the white dude came out and played the flute instrument, yeah. and people were outraged That's that right. he wasn't a Japanese man, even though the game's being made by a team of white guys in Bellevue, Washington. And even though that guy, by the way, that played the flute is apparently one of the world experts. Yeah, he's like one of the world, the world, the only people who are like experts at that, like one of the few. So do, you, do you read into it the way I'm reading into it, or do you think they're doing something I, else? I didn't when you, I didn't read it that way until I actually heard you read it out loud. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, it definitely kind of feels a bit preemptive, which is uh, probably smart, you know, just so you can say, hey, we accounted for this. I don't know how much of an impact it'll have on the people who would get upset, though. Right. You know, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's real. That's really odd. I wonder how often we're going to start seeing this. I kind of see in my mind's eye a situation where (laughs) what are they going to do? Someone's going to be like. This this man in, in Ghost of Tsushima is is a little bit of a racist character, just as an example. And yeah. they're going to be like, "Oh, we meant to do that." And then yeah. this, and then <laughs> someone's going to find like this other thing and be like, "Oh, we didn't mean to do that." You know, yeah. and, like it, it's just like, how do we know what your intent is? Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, just kind of making sure you covered all your bases by saying anything that we could conceivably mess up, quote unquote, is intentional, even though you can't possibly know that because. What you think might be not a mess up might be a mess up to someone else. Right, exactly. So it's it, it does feel a little, you know, preparatory. <laughs> yes, great, great word. <laughs> is the grace is the best way I could describe it. I read a lot. I read I'm co- looking forward to that game. Though. Oh my god, dude, it looks awesome. Like it looks like the the, the, the trailer they showed after the seven thousand minute interlude at the press conference yeah. was really fantastic. <laughs> you know, I I read positively into this game though. Japan or Sony is a Japanese company. Yeah. So there's no reason to expect that this game just came out of nowhere. Shuhei Yoshida, a Japanese man, goes there, greenlights this deeply racist Japanese game. Yeah. Like, I think it's going to be handled with care. And I am I'm ready for the the outrage machine to go into full effect once the game is in people's hands, whenever that might be. Yeah. Uh, any, anytime you uh, you make any kind of fictional medium or media about anything that kind of exists... And if it's like a historical event or like a period, you're going to get somebody who's, you know, you're going to get at least a couple people who are going to flip out about it. Who will be? Will it be Waypoint that writes the first article wondering where white people <laughs> are in Ghost of, in 13th century Japan? Were they, the, were they the ones that wrote the article about, I think it was them or one of their kindred spirits about uh, War Horse's game uh, Kingdom Come and Deliverance about where were the, oh, right. where were the people of color in 
14th century <laughs> Bohemia or some shit. A six square mile version. Yeah. Of, uh, a lot of those websites bleed together to me. I, don't, I, can't, I can never remember which one said what. I, I, it's all the same. I can't stand them. Like, I just, I can't. Not because of their, not because of what they say necessarily, but because of the perpetual outrage. And yeah, and well, it I, generates clicks. So I was talking to a PR person recently, and I wondered aloud to him, and I wondered this on Twitter too. But he and I had a conversation about it. I'm like, will publishers become privy to the fact that if they can get the outrage machine to get going on their game from these websites, that their game will probably sell better? Um, because Kingdom Come Deliverance sold a million copies in a few days, mostly because it was circulating that this game was so offensive you know that what? people I, looked at the trailer. You know what? I bought that game, never played it. <laughs> I bought it specifically, like, not even kidding. I was like, what? Do, why are people mad about this? I'm going to buy it. I, I have I'm, yet to play it. It's I'm waiting for it to go mess. down in price a little bit. Yeah. I don't know that it's a $60 game for me. No, definitely not. But people enjoyed it. And the the interesting thing for me about it is then you saw the, the back-end hit pieces on it, like, months later. There was a piece, I think, on, I don't know, one of the mainstream oh, sites. Oh, the player base, like, fell or yeah. something? Yeah, and then they were like, Isn't the like player base player falls game? for everybody. Like, they were like, look at Fallout. Look at whatever yeah. people are playing on Steam. I it, I just don't understand why people want to assassinate but games. Is, but is Kingdom Come Deliver? I, I haven't played it at all. Is, is it a single-player game? Yeah, single-player. It's, it's, wow, it's a single-player single game? Single single-player single, single games player base dropped off? What? what? I can't believe it. There are fewer people playing Kingdom Come Deliverance now than there were... When it came out, Chris. I'm not playing God of War anymore because I finished it. What a failure of a game. God of War's player base has fallen 95% <laughs> since it came out. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm I just making know. that up. It's definitely fallen, though. I mean, it's a single-player game. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I platinumed it, and I'll never play it again. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. Great game. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Number five. Was Final Fantasy VII Remake announced too early? Of course it was, and the game's director, Tetsuya Nomura, agrees. Kingdom Hearts Insider relays word from an Italian gaming website that interviewed Nomura in which he said, quote, I am well aware of the fact that we announced it too early, but even in the industry, word was beginning to spread that we were working on the game. So we just decided not to keep it more secret and officially reveal it, end quote. What do you make of that? I think it's kind of interesting that leaks kind of determine when things are announced. I feel like that happens a little bit more often now. Because I remember any anytime like a leak happens, it's like, oh, you hear about this? Oh, you see the screenshot, this really awful iPhone image. And then suddenly there's uh, a logo that's put out by like the actual de- developers. And there's like some teaser trailer that was worked on like really quickly. It's it's, inter- know, it's kind of interesting. It is interesting because if you're a journalist in the games industry that tries to break stories, which I haven't been in a long time, but I was at IGN, mm-hmm. you'll realize that there's a silo around Japan. Was there a lot of buzz in the East in like it, amongst like our parallel games journalists over there that were about to blow it up and then they released it? Because I certainly didn't hear anything I mean, about I guess it. so. It would make sense. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, American and European games get leaked here. Probably not a lot of people in Japan probably hear about them, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I think that makes sense. It does. It's it's just you know it's disappointing because I really believe this isn't coming out. Like I, I've said that from from the get go. You like, don't think it's ha- you don't think it's coming out? No, at all. And I think if they get it out, it'll be just part one. They're splitting this. Oh up yeah, no, I know it's gonna be episodes. Yeah, it's gonna be like how? First of all, I don't know. <laughs> let's get real nerdy with the Japanese like gaming development scene right now. <laughs> Square Enix took Final Fantasy VII, which is not my favorite Final Fantasy game, but the most beloved Final Fantasy game, one of the most beloved role playing games, one of the most beloved games of all time. They announce that they're going to remake it. They don't do it internally. They give it to CyberConnect. Now, CyberConnect, CyberConnect 2 is their full name because it's apparently, you know, it's the second iteration of the company. They're known for like the Dot .hack series and like Naruto. So like kind of like A-tier, mid-tier video games. Right. They take Final Fantasy VII and give it to them. Okay. Then they take it back 
two years later, which is what they, they did. Oh, my God. And start developing it in-house because CyberConnect shockingly isn't up to the task of remaking one of the most beloved video games of all time. <laughs> I can't believe that, that that happened. That is a huge blunder. That's actually an insane amount of mismanagement. Square Enix is in this weird position where, from my mind, they bungled, like, they didn't understand what they were doing from the get-go. If they yeah. cared about this game, they'd do it internally. So we'll see. But obviously, it was, uh, it was announced too early. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Number six. Did Mass Effect Andromeda get a fair shake? Mark Dara, the executive producer of Bioware's upcoming multiplayer game Anthem and 20-year veteran of the gaming industry, he's also, people might recognize him because he's also pretty intimately involved with Dragon Age, wondered this on Twitter this past week, asking if, it re- if, if, if releasing it in such a crowded window was a mistake. Horizon Zero Dawn, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Neo, and Nier Automata all came out on top of Andromeda. No, um, it was a great, great period and he admitted that while each game did something better than his his game would have fared better if it was released at a different time farther away from such staunch competition and this is one tweet that he said which i thought was interesting quote does launching in a different window turn 72 into 90 he's talking about metacritic Mm -hmm. certainly not 72 into 77 or 78 maybe do you think there's any credence to this his argument basically is that people were playing so many good games at the time that the lowest common denominator was being treated worse i i think there's validity to it but at the same time, there were a lot of factors about Mass Effect Andromeda that turned me off as like somebody who played all the originals. You know, it, it, every trailer looked bad. I don't know. To me, that's in my opinion. You know, all the facial animations and the, and the fact that it was it wasn't really the same studio that was working on it. It was like a like kind of like the B team. I don't know. I, I think there's it's valid because it's probably true. Because I know I didn't touch Mass Effect Andromeda at that in that time. I, I played it like maybe three months after it came out. Right. Because there mean, was so much good shit to play. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to play Horizon, which was my game of the year that year. Um, and you're going to play Zelda. Yeah, I was playing a lot of Zelda. Now, Mass Effect Andromeda came out. I got a copy of the Mass Effect Andromeda literally the weekend before I quit Kind of Funny. So I still have not played it because it just got caught up in that whole, you know, fire that engulfed my life for a little while. Yeah. But I do want to get back to it because I loved the trilogy. And I wonder... Is, I wonder if it's as bad as people are saying it is. Could it possibly... Like, Mass Effect 3 wasn't anywhere near as bad as people were saying it was. No. No, I, I really liked Mass Effect 3. I didn't care for the ending, but it's like, you know, whatever. Right. You know? I, I enjoyed it overall. But I I don't know, man. It, it, the game just feels off to me. It, it feels kind of like a studio emulating a game that they didn't make. And I guess it, it is, you know, because it wasn't the same team, right. as far as I'm aware. And you can, no, it you, wasn't. And you can tell even just by the presentation of Anthem. Whereas, like, I'm not too keen on Anthem because st- I'm still, like, burned by Destiny and, like, the Division kind of deal. It's like, oh, what is this exactly? I don't know what this is. But even just the presentation alone for Anthem looks fantastic. Whereas, like, the, the presentation for Andromeda just kind of did not look nearly as polished or nearly as done. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's as bad as people say it is because people always make everything, like, either the best possible thing or the worst possible thing. But it's definitely, like, on the cusp of being pretty pretty rough it's a pretty it's a pretty rough experience they might have patched it i don't know i heard something about like a bunch of patches that went out for it but i don't know if i'll ever go back to that game i think i think i played it for five hours i think oh you play okay so you you, you that's that's enough of a taste to know yeah yeah there are parts of it that you know like anything there's parts of it that are good but you know there's it's a lot of really little things that add up to just like i can't i can't do it yeah i i'm wary of playing it because i don't want it to ruin what Mass Effect is to me. And I think that's what's unfortunate about letting Bioware Montreal make it instead of Bioware Edmonton, which is their home team. Because, and I know they wanted to, you know, they're working on Anthem. They can't work on this other game, Dragon Age, somewhere in the ether. And and 
they have this other kind of B team, like you said, working in Quebec on this other shit. And my whole take was just like, just let it rest. Like people yeah, are going to exactly. be super excited for Mass Effect to come back in 2020 something, you know, like bring yeah. like a whole new trilogy. But they, what's unfortunate, and I think they know this inherently, is they ruined it. If, if I were them, if the game is really as bad as people are saying it is, like, and maybe it is, yeah. then maybe they should have canceled it. You know, like even well into development. Like that happens. Sony Santa Monica canceled the game. Yeah. Three and a half years into development. And they took the time to make a really great one. Right, exactly. And it saved that studio. If they released that game, yeah. Sony Santa Monica would not exist. And God of War, the new God of War, would not exist either. But also that's the same studio who, ma who made the previous ones, isn't it? It's the same studio, right? At, at Sony Santa Monica? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they made, made all the God of War games. That also helps. Except that for have, the PSP ones. Right, right. But they have like a, a pretty intimate understanding. I feel, I feel like this happens with a lot of video games or really anything that, that's passed on to a different creative team than the original source material. Especially if it happens far too early. I felt that about Halo for a long time. Like, they should have waited 10 years, honestly, before they brought that back. Yeah, why not let people, like... Let why? people build up excitement. Right, exactly. Like, in 2012, I didn't care. I was like, all right, cool. Let That's... it percolate. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, and, and, and expose new IP and new ideas and, 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 and succeed or fail based on that. But there was... That and, would... and people would flip out. If, if, like, there was, like, just, like, five to seven years of, like, radio silence, and then, bam, Mass Effect again, and it looks great because they've taken the time to put the proper polish into it. And right. That'd be amazing. Everybody would love that. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, too. There's a, there's a subtext to it where people were wondering, including me, I'm like, why aren't they putting Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 on PS4? Like, yeah. what, like why aren't they doing that? Oh, of course. Th why would they put games that are going to make the new one look like shit? Like that, that's absolutely the reason why they didn't do it. Like there's no doubt in my mind, like in hindsight where yeah. like in, in the months, years leading up to this announcement and this game release, I was like, where is the trilogy? Like, it is really This weird. is free money. Just put it on for 20 bucks. But then I realized like they probably were and they were like, it would have been the exact opposite of what Mark Darrow was talking about where the game would have even been scored lower because they're like, look what we have over here. The games you did right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that's probably the reason. I never thought of that. I never thought about why the Mass Effect trilogy is not on. Because it's weird. EA loves money, and I don't blame them. Everyone loves money, but yeah, yeah that's got to be the reason you have to assume. <laughs> Number seven. In a YouTube Q&A, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, is that French enough for everyone, spoke bullishly about the future of streaming technology. Quote, what we are dreaming is that technology will allow us to actually stream our games to all the TVs, mobile phones, and tablets in the future. And, 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 and get this. And that we will be able to give an opportunity to all of our brands to reach 2.5 billion players in five years and maybe 5 billion players within 10 years. I think the next big thing is going to be the capacity to stream our games to more screens and the ability to use all the farms and servers that will be in data centers so that we can create the ultimate game, which is a game that will be very responsive to all the actions you do in it, remembering what you have done and anticipating your needs. This ties in, Chris, to what you were talking about before with PS Now, yeah. which is a PlayStation streaming service for people that don't know. Um, it's kind of like a subscription service where you have access to, I think, a few hundred games you can stream to your console. I've not used it. I am not a believer in streaming technology. Like, I don't. I know it's probably a foolish thing to say. I'm probably going to look stupid. I don't understand technology. Everyone knows that. Right. But I don't understand no matter how good it gets, <laughs> no matter how good it gets, right? There's still going to be latency. I don't understand how you can possibly get around that. I just don't get it. I, I could see it happening, but not for a very long time. Like this way future. Because I right now, what's what's the, what are the only games streaming right now? It's it's all like PS1 games and then PS like really old is anybody streaming? I think it's all PS. Isn't it PS? Like it's last gen games. I think. Yeah, it's like yeah. really old. Like uh, I'm pretty sure, like the original, the the P PS originals, like PS2, PS PS1. I guess you could stream PS3 games on PS now. Yeah, I don't know much about I'm it. Not super sure, but yeah. like, I really doubt you're going to make a new, like high fidelity, like really good user experience, 
with modern with our current streaming technology. Do you, do you remember on live? Yeah, of course. And, and they ate shit. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. I had it. I bought it. I, I think I had like a bought it. I did the free trial thing. And it, yeah, and, and it they, was it was awful. Yeah, they ended up dying. And and uh, I don't the, know. Internet. The inter- like I can only speak for the U.S. Um, right. And although you can read anecdotally about other places in the world, like, our internet needs to get way better. Also, yeah, exactly. And, in and general, not only in metropolitan areas where it's not ideal, it's crowded, and there's and there's data caps, but certainly in rural and suburban America. My brother and I, on one of the episodes of Knockback we did, which I don't think is live yet, is about the video store, which is a great episode. And we talk about how there's still a video store chain in the Midwest that has 600 stores and is still opening stores and making a profit in 2018 because. In rural and kind of sub-rural communities, like That's they can't crazy. effectively stream. And so this this guy, they're talking about how this guy has two private jets and all. Like they're making tons of money in the Midwest because we live on the coast and we, we're isolated and alienated from the reality yeah. from millions and millions of people that would want to play games. And until we have that ubiquitous 5G or we have a better broadband or kind of, you know, cable solution, I, I just don't know how any of this is viable. I appreciate that people are investing in it. Yeah, no, it's definitely something. I think eventually, well, I, I think it's foolish to be like this technology could never get to the point where it's effective and useful because it, it i feel like it just always gets to that point uh don't want to look like an idiot but not for a while i don't even really see it in the next several decades honestly i don't know yeah we'll see yeah I, I don't i'm just not a believer i like the companies that are taking both tax i know microsoft is investing heavily in both which i think is smart yeah. sony bought gaikai for 400 million dollars so obviously they're going to try to make something out of it the interesting thing about Yves Gilmont, Ubisoft CEO that we just read the quote from, is that he's really one of the most bullish guys about talking about how the console generations are going to end. He thinks the next consoles are going to be the, the final ones, which I think is probably true. And it seems like Ubisoft has a trick up its sleeve in some uh, in some way when you read between the lines that they, Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo are going to be the ones that hurt when that happens. The publishers that are prepared for it are going to make a lot of money. Well, Microsoft's been kind of preparing for it in a little bit uh, in, uh, with their, what do you, what was it called? Play As Anywhere? A, oh, Play Anywhere, yeah. The yeah, fact yeah. that you can get stuff on PC now? Yeah, which is smart. Yeah, um, I think they're aware of, I think they're aware of all that, honestly. And, and I, think, I think, you know, there was a game called, that people might remember, a PS3, PS4 Vita game called Helldivers, which was a great game from a studio called Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. This came out in like 2014, 2015, and that was published as an experiment on PC, like the first PlayStation game that was on PC. And I think you're going to see the same thing with Death Stranding. Oh, you think so? I think so, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You know, but I think... It's it's still like 15 years away from uh, coming out, so... Yeah, the more I see, the more I don't care. Yeah. Number eight. I just wanted to throw this one in here because I thought it was funny. And also, I'm a, a Mega Man nerd. Mega Man X5, first released on PlayStation 1 in late 2000, did something weird when it came to North America. It completely changed the names of the eight Maverick bosses in the game during localizations. N- localization, naming them after Guns N' Roses characters. Or, like, basically naming the characters after Guns N' Roses band members. And uh, for people that are curious, Mavericks are basically the bosses that you fight in any order you want in Mega Man X games. This is seriously something that happened. So you ended up with Axel the Red instead of Spike Rose Red, Duff McWhalen instead of Tidal Whale, Grizzly Slash instead of Crescent Grizzly, and so on and so forth. Well, in the upcoming Mega Man X collections coming out in August, Capcom has revealed that it's reverting those names back to their Japanese form. The reason I wanted to put this on here, Chris, is because the story behind this is funny. There's a, a local a localization expert that worked in the field at the time, at the turn of the century, who was married to a voice actor who worked on this game. And the story goes that she convinced him to change the names to do this Guns N' Roses motif <laughs> what? that they thought would play into some weird rock and roll edge that America has or something like that. 
And so the, the real names were lost, and then and now they're being reverted back. I just thought that was a weird story. That's really... Is, was, <laughs> what? And and what's even weirder... I, just, about, I don't even think I ever noticed. I think I played X5, and I didn't notice that. Yeah, well, I was going to say the same thing. I, I didn't even know that, like, until more recently, like the last couple of years that X5 had that naming scheme. So that's a little embarrassing for me. <laughs> uh, number nine, just some wrap-up news. Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom, added new free difficulty levels, rare item drops, and other new additions in a free update available now. So if you want to go back and play that, you can. The first episode of Life is Strange 2 has a release date. Look for it on September 27th with more details on the second season forthcoming in August. Did you play Life is Strange? No. I, I heard it was I, pretty good. I heard it was good, too. Well, I heard I heard a lot of things about it. There were a lot of people who like really love it or people who like really can't stand it or like really like to like meme on it. I think it's an SJW lightning rod, and I hate that term, SJW, but it's a, you, you know it's what a I mean. garbage term, but yeah. A ton of new minor features were announced for Star Wars Battlefront 2, and they'll begin rolling out this month. They include statistical tweaks like lightsaber deflections using stamina and new character designs from the Clone Wars era. So if you're still for some reason playing that game, you can look forward to yeah, that. Yeah, I'm surprised they're sticking with that at all. That's kind of cool. I mean, I, if they're sticking, if they're actually properly sticking with it and not doing this kind of like, we'll put out we'll put out a patch, I guess. Yeah, it's supposed to be, uh, uh, yeah, like yeah. If, if it's an optical game or not. If it's like a, six, like a Rainbow Six Siege type deal where they're actually right. going to genuinely improve upon it. Yeah, that'll be cool. We'll see. Because I know that, you know, they talked a little bit. You know, I like their candid talk at EA's press conference at E3 about how the reaction to the game sidetracked their whole plan for post-release content. Yeah. So this could just be them catching up for all we know. Yeah. Um, uh, Bioware has confirmed that players will be allowed to explore multiple character classes on the same account in Anthem. So that's a pretty cool little addition, I guess. So I I think there are, what do they call them, javelins? There are four of them. Yeah, something like that. So you can apparently have one of each um, on your account, which is cool. Well, that's good. And uh, I want to get your take on this, Chris. Actor Jim Carrey, this is the final piece of news, actor Jim Carrey has agreed to play Dr. Robotnik in an upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog film that I think melds CG with live action. I think his character will be live action. I think Sonic is CG. What do you make of that? That was a weird... Jim Carrey doesn't do shit anymore, so that's a weird movie for him to come out in. Jim Carrey (laughs) reanimating to play live action Dr. Robotnik in a Sonic the Hedgehog film is a jarring thing. disconcerting to say the least i'm deeply unsettled by this news i I was too i thought it was a joke i thought yeah it sounds like it it sounds like uh are not the onion type uh type deals like ah that's got to be like a joke but is is it actually happening do we know for sure that that's actually a thing that's happening it was on deadline well deadline hollywood usually tells the truth son of a bitch yeah so i I, uh how the hell i i I don't know i just don't know because he jim carrey's a weird cat right now man like he he like has become like a painter. He has like yeah. art shows. He has and, a lot of weird interviews. Yeah, he, he's like kind of going down the Johnny Depp road to me of like weird, like too weird, you know? Too, yeah, too, just too strange. I just think it's for, odd that they're even making a Sonic the Hedgehog live action film. I'm a. <laughs> this Are is, you a Sonic fan? No, I hate Sonic. Okay, I thanks. fucking good, hate good. Sonic. No, I me mean neither. I can't stand it. And one of the great things to me is like the whole Genesis Super Nintendo debate, as if that's a debate. Yeah. Like, what are you out of your mind? You Don't you your... miss those days when that was the debate? Yeah. It was... <laughs> Genesis versus NES or SNES or whatever. Uh, don't call it SNES. I can't, I can't handle that. That's too European for my tastes. Now, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought this was weird, too. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Every once in a while, Sonic the Hedgehog's Twitter account is so funny. It's really uh, good. I feel like that that Twitter account really kicked off the that, <laughs> that kind of marketing scheme where a lot of companies are just having – they have, like, weird – characters behind their their twitter profiles 
Like I think I think Burger King was like hitting, hitting on hitting on Wendy's. Yeah, or something yeah. like weird, just weird interactions. And Wendy's talking shit about IHOP. Yeah, there was yeah that funny thing they, when IHOP did the IHOP thing because they were introducing burgers. I don't know why they did that, but I thought it was gonna be an international international house of breakfast. But yeah, they they said some, someone tweeted at them like, "What do you think of uh, what do you think of uh, international house of pancakes making burgers?" And they're like, "We're not too afraid of people that whose pancakes were too hard for them to make or something like that." I was like. <laughs> Like damn, like it's it, it must be it must be so fun to run those accounts and like have the corporate blessing. I would love to. Have, that's such a good job. I get to I get to insult people from the guise of Burger King man. It's <laughs> incredible. I I wish all corporate accounts took themselves a little less seriously. I think it's I think levity is good for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said at the top, there are only two new game releases. There's uh, traditionally on PlayStation Blog they do a thing called the drop written by my friend, old colleague, Ryan Clements. And I actually texted him this weekend. I'm like, where is the drop? And he's on vacation and it doesn't happen when he's not there. So there's no granular list of obscure PSN games that I can give you. But I can tell you again, Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered. So bad. Such a bad name, God. And Detached, which is a PSVR game, um, are coming out. And that's pretty much it. This is a great time for you guys to catch up on games, you know, your backlog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Utilize this time wisely. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, do you want to to talk about this uh, lawsuit? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, so we should... We didn't add it to the. Th- we didn't add. It yeah, to that's the my thing. fault. You told me. I'm sorry about that. No, no I just found out about it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't remember, I believe um, PUBG or the PUBG Corporation or whatever you Blue Hole, were they they decided to take legal action against Fortnite and Epic Games because I because I presumably for copyright infringement based on the sole purpose that it was Battle Royale and they ripped him off even though it's, it's a bad lawsuit. Did you look out into that lawsuit at yeah, all? Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, it was it's, really it's, bad. It's totally specious. It's, it's the whole look and feel argument that Apple and Microsoft had yeah, and 30 I, years I ago. I remember I, I, like, I tweeted about it, and I was like, this is ridiculous. You can't, you can't copyright a genre, especially when you know uh, Duke Nukem and Doom existed, and they were like indistinguishable from one another, and nothing ever happened with that. So it's, and you know, Fortnite and PUBG look so insanely different, and they play so insanely different. The fact that you could argue that in court is hilarious. But... Uh, Turns out they figured that out. I don't know how. <laughs> Presumably because uh, someone works there with some semblance of intelligence and decided, uh, yeah, hey, we're gonna we're gonna drop the lawsuit now. Well, it's a waste of money. I mean, when I, when I saw that, I was like, well, they it, might have an in house legal team that can take care of this, but it's you're still paying people and like going down this rabbit hole. That's going. I said when it happened, I'm like, just look at Microsoft and Apple's fight from the '80s. This was the exact argument. And so for me, I, I look at that and I, I think I think it's a, I think PUBG did themselves a real disservice as a, as a as an entity. And I get it. I do feel bad for them. They they stumbled on this thing that's pretty cool. And I know there's some argument on whether it's really the first of its kind or not, but it's certainly the first of its. It's like the whole Wolfenstein 3D argument about is it the first first person shooter? Well, yeah. maybe not necessarily, but it is the first one you know about. Um, and so for me, I, I saw this and I'm like, you're just making yourselves look petty. It was really bad. Yeah. They, they did, they didn't do themselves any favors, especially because, you know, they were, it came out as an early access game that you had to pay for. So it already had that kind of, I don't know. They, they really kind of shot themselves in the foot in a lot of regards. Uh, the lawsuit's just a, a pretty good example of it. I agree. They, they, uh, you know, a- apart from the, the, the kind of cultivating the game, making it better, they brought attention to their com- competition they yeah. made themselves look petty, and and I'm pretty sure Fortnite's uh, or uh, PUBG is running on the Epic game engine. So they're also getting five percent of their profits. So yeah, which is which is nice. I don't know, man. What a mess. 
I've been surprised. I'm always surprised by the new phenomenon in multiplayer shooting because like multiplayer gaming, whether it's ephemeral or whether it's long lasting, which I think this one's going to be like Overwatch was the same thing where I'm like, I don't understand this. Um, yeah. yeah. It, th- these games just aren't for me, but, but Fortnite, I know it didn't come out of left field. I know people that are very, very engaged with the PC community, which I think you are much more than I am. Saw this coming. No, yeah, definitely. But I was surprised. I like I, I the, Fortnite has been percolating for a long time. Like like that name has been in the ether for a while, and I didn't know that this was what it was going to be. And I certainly didn't know that it was going to become this addiction. No, they definitely like shifted it on, on a dime because they had a, an original like kind of horde mode building tower defense type deal going. Yeah, on. more like Left 4 Dead kind of. Thing, I remember I when that game was announced. It was years like, ago. It was like several several years ago, like E three like twenty twelve or like thirteen something something ridiculously long ago. Right. And uh, the fact that they just turned into a phenomenon recently is kind of impressive. Yeah, it's cool. They and, stuck uh, with it. Yeah, whoever, 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 like was like, let's stick with it behind the scenes, especially at Epic, which they're not really making games anymore. They're really much more about their engine because yeah. the licensing fees they just keep coming in. Um, so someone deserves a raise uh, to you know to convince them that, that that was the right thing to do. Although I felt bad for Cliffy B and some of the other because it was. Uh, I think they were poaching the shit out of his yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that too. Uh, that was really sad when, uh, what was the studio? Bosky? Uh, Bosky, yeah, Bosky. Lawbreakers that was, was that the was game. Sad. Yeah, it was sad. I like, I, I know Cliffy and I like him and and uh, smart guy. I think he would, yeah. I I know wanting to go in it for yourself is, just, I, I did the same thing. I'm in it for myself. I made my own company and I, I don't I don't begrudge him that. But at the same time, like why, why not just go be a creative director somewhere and get paid yeah. your, your $300,000 salary and, and just, Relax a little yeah. bit. I've know? been a big fan of him for a long time. So it was it really sucked to see like and all those cool concepts that he was sharing on uh, social media mm-hmm. about like the games that uh, he, they were thinking about making and stuff. Yeah, when they did that that like eighties or like neon themed like battle royale kind of early access thing, that was the end. I, I knew yeah. I, I knew at that point that they were in a lot of trouble. And it would be int- you know you know it would be an interesting landing place for him. Although I don't think he would do it. He owns a beautiful house in North Carolina and and is kind of rooted there. But um, if he went to the Coalition in Vancouver and made you know worked on gears of war i know that rod ferguson and those guys have it locked down but i think that that would be an awesome that would be really cool i, I wonder yeah. how people feel about that though like how people who like establish incredible franchises feel about going back yeah i, I it almost feel it, it must feel like some kind of i don't know it must feel really awkward or weird or like a step backwards for some people yeah i, think I guess they might that. not want to do that but it'd, it'd be amazing yeah yeah maybe maybe look at that as a loss but i think that would be a win for gamers i hope you know, I know he's kind of like convalescing right now, but I hope that he springs back. And maybe, maybe you know, with Microsoft's interest in first parties, especially right now, maybe they give him you know the keys to a studio. I don't, I, you know, I don't know that that's a wise idea or not, but I, I don't. There's not that many other names out there that are on you know not not spoken for right now. Yeah. Um, and free agent and gaming video game free agency, as it were. Before we go, so at this point, I would we I think we can usually you know. This podcast would be much longer at this point because we would have integrated reader comments and everything from Patreon. Right. Um, and again, if you support the show at $2 or up on Collins Last Stand's Patreon, you'll get access to the thread where you can kind of be included in the show. And again, $5 or up gets you early access to the show with no ads. We don't have those today, so I wanted to end instead on a, a brief conversation. Uh, E3 Hangover. Um, <laughs> we've, we're a few weeks detached now as it's a time of recording from E3. We've had time to marinate. Uh, I went on vacation for a couple weeks and, um, you were, you know, at VidCon and hanging out with friends and kind of relaxing. And how do you feel about everything now that we have a little distance? Do you think that that was a good show? Do you think, did you like what you saw? Not yeah. only from, not only from PlayStation, by the way, but you know, general. No, I thought it was a great show overall. Honestly, like there's uh, so many things that I'm looking forward to now that I had no idea about previously, you know? I think Doom Eternal. I'm I'm locked into that because I trust those people. Yeah, it that is. team is like I trust yeah. I trust them. You do whatever do whatever you want to do, because I I believe in you. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ibs Doom was excellent. Yeah, the it's, new it's great, and that uh, that new Wolfenstein looks pretty neat. It's a co-op Wolfenstein. I'm down for that. And I don't know. It was a lot. It's it's almost a lot to remember. I, I I'm like blanking on a lot of the things that I know that I'm looking forward to. Right. There was uh this um, tu- it was a tunic, some like some weird indie yeah, yeah. Zelda fox. That was at Xbox's conference. It right? was at the Xbox yeah. conference and like Ghost of Ghost of Tsushima, and pretty much everything. I'm interested in pretty much everything that Sony showed except for uh, Spider Man because I, I was already sold. Right, Spider Man. Right. I didn't need to see more Spider Man. Yeah, I, re- I played it. I lo- I really enjoyed it. I I, I thought these. I think the swinging is a little weird, just because it's it is very mechanically focused. So it's it's not quite, it's not quite like oh I understand how physics works. I'm gonna be really good at this. It's like no, there's actually like button combinations that you have to take into account, and there's like swing momentum and all that. And it's it it is kind of hard to get used to. And I only played it for 20 minutes, so I didn't have time to get good at it. Right. But the swinging seems really good. The combat is incredible. I had a lot more fun with the combat than I thought I would. And oh, I haven't, awesome. lo- I haven't, I don't know, man, I'm really excited. It's Me been a too. long time for a good Spider-Man game. I'm trying to get us there to play it. So, um, they're, they're in Burbank. So, um, I reached out to James Stevenson today, actually, who's the marketing guy. To, I had no uh, idea they were in Burbank. Uh, what'd you say? I had no idea they were in Burbank. Yeah. Everything's in Burbank. They're right across Jesus. the street from the, uh, the airport. Oh. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They're right there. To me, E3 was representative of, you know, stylistically, I think it was a little strange. I don't think Bethesda needed a press conference. I'm bewildered by why they announced Starfield and why they announced Elder Scrolls 6. It is completely un-Bethesda and indicated to me that they simply are trying to shoehorn a show in every year when they don't need one. Yeah. And I would much rather them do a 2015 style thing where they're like every few years where they're like, we have now, now we're ready to talk about what's next. That was when they were yeah, like take several years off and then yeah. show what they got. I think that's a pretty, that's probably a better course of action for them. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I thought they had a good. Con- I thought they had a good show, but again, a lot of it is just based on assumptions. Because typically, I, I'm I'm typically a Bethesda fan. I haven't played a game from them that I didn't like. Obviously, there's like bu- there's bugs and stuff. You know what I mean? But I'm looking forward to Elder Scrolls. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So yeah. I know I'll probably enjoy it. What's Starfield? I don't know. It's cool that they're working on it though. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like I trust this, but it's also like I, I don't know if I can get excited. Because there's nothing to yeah, well, see. Yeah, it's a name. And Starfield, by the way, was was trademarked like five or six years ago. So it's not like we didn't know that they had this trademark. So we literally know as much about it now as we did you know, years ago. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting because Todd Howard, I don't know if he was being flippant, but he gave an interview, I think, with Eurogamer or GameSpot that I read where he was saying, they were asking about Starfield and he was saying like, it is an open world role-playing game like we make. It's an, their new first new IP in 25 years. And mm-hmm. um, that's exciting. But he said something like, he's like, I wish we didn't reveal it. That's really? like one of his quotes. Yeah. And I don't know if he, like not being there, like not hearing what he's saying. I wonder if he was saying like, I wish we didn't, you know, like, so or yeah, it's, it's I, hard to, it's hard yeah. to get tone from, exactly. t- from text because I don't understand why they showed it. Like I, I don't, they I just made they, a bunch of distractions. They distracted everyone from fallout 76. That's what you, they should be focusing on. Yeah, yeah. I think they just wanted to generate hype and just kind of get people excited. It's been a long time since elder scrolls. So I could, I guess I could see that even though they don't even have a name yet. So it really, really shows how far away that game actually is right but um yeah i don't know that, that show was a, a bit weird yeah it, yeah i'm, but glad, that I, I'm it, glad that I, i'm just happy that i know doom has a sequel yeah i mean that was pretty and they updated right? prey that and that looks kind of cool i haven't played prey uh, you know i i played prey for f- maybe fewer than 10 hours towards the beginning of the year and it's everyone sold it to me uh, bioshock's one of my favorite games so everyone sold it to me as, oh yeah 
as like it's like Bioshock and I'm like no it's like I played it for five seconds I'm like no it's not like it's it's, 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 it's definitely not Bioshock it's it's not even it can't even it's not even fit to wipe Bioshock's ass you know like it's it's (laughs) well Bioshock's pretty high yeah up there though yeah it's like a pretty upper echelon like incredible video game I'll be interested to see what you think of it because I was I was super I think the gameplay is bad like and that takes me out of the whole thing you know I mean that would (laughs) you need you need solid mechanics in a game like that it's a little bit more of a fluid and fast and dark Bioshock but and I see that aesthetic but I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see what you think of it. I think it's probably you probably have, be had for cheap now. I mean, it's it's almost a year old. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I don't know. I don't know how much it is. I think I own it. I just haven't gotten around to it. You know, there's so much there's so much stuff in the back catalog that I just haven't gotten around to. It's well, insane. Like I said, you got to take advantage of that now. And it's worth noting, by the way, Starfield is supposed to be after Elder Scrolls Six. So that's how far away that game is because they said that this is coming next. Um, Todd Howard did say something in the interview that's interesting that you might find interesting though, mm-hmm. which is. Um, he said Starfield is playable. Now that now that means nothing because it could be a vertical slice. It could be a far pre-alpha build of an open world. I don't know what that means, but he did say that. That's he said it can weird. be played. You know, um, but I've played games that have been canceled, so it doesn't it doesn't really matter. That's, that's it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. It doesn't really it doesn't really matter at all. Actually, I uh, wonder I wonder if their development cycle is the same because if because Fallout seventy six I guess Fallout seventy six is more of like a kind of an engine type deal where you can say hey here's the fallout engine go fuck around in it it's what it almost feels like because it's a multiplayer exclusively uh so i mean how long was it before skyrim was 2011 yep and fallout 4 was 2015 it's about four year dev cycle maybe next no i can't see that they don't have a name yet yeah i i don't i mean unless they're holding that you know when when skyrim was revealed i was at the reveal it was in utah in a mountain resort what and they they were originally gonna bring everyone to iceland and then they realized that no one wanted to do. I've been to Iceland, but no one. They didn't want. You don't want to go to Iceland. And no. And no. And no one. And no one. I spent a week in Iceland. Or what? What is? It? I spent a year in Iceland. One week. Go there. Go. Go. Go there for three days. If you go to Iceland, beautiful country, nice people. But I was there for a week. Four days too long. There's only oh, three hundred thousand no. people there. Right. And there's only one city. So you 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 see it after okay. a while. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I think they're being a little bit. Um, they're being a little disingenuous. I think with who's developing these games too. Like Bethesda Game Studios, Todd Howard comes out, talks about Fallout 76, but I really don't think they have anything to do with it. I think it's the studio that they have in Texas that was making that canceled MMO that I think that they've fused, they kind of like are made working. into yeah. 76. Yeah. And I think that uh, it's just, they, they did the same thing with Rage 2, which looks great, but yeah, that was another one that I was, um, it's like, it's not to. making this. Why are you, why are you acting? Why are you putting Id's name on this? They're not making this game. Avalanche is making this game. So I think they're being a little, like it's making doom. So, yeah. and I don't, I don't think they have two teams. I didn't hear anything about that. So I think something similar is going on there with, with Bethesda game studios where maybe they'll be ready with sky or elder scroll six sooner than we think. Well, does, um, have, does avalanche have two, two teams? Cause they're working on just cause also. Yeah. Avalanche has a team in New York city and a team in Sweden. Oh, okay. Well, I think sense. it's the New York city team that makes just cause and the other team that made Mad Max and which I loved. And, uh, how was that? I kept seeing it and I was like, I, I want to play this. But I don't know. You know, I, I, I can't be sold on it. People make fun of me because I was really high on it. It came out September 1st, 2015, the same day as Metal Gear Solid Five. So it was it was put to the bargain bin pretty quickly. Right. And people made fun of me because I really liked it. But it depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it does, it, <laughs> it represents destitution really well. Like it's an empty world, but it's empty by design. So it's like there's something really lonely about it, which I love and beautiful, something very beautiful about the sand and the way the sun Hits the sand and the beautiful sky. So they're saying uh, Mad Max is uh, like Journey. 
Yeah, it's like Journey, but with, uh, well, depending on it, more or less death, depending on what you take out of Journey. Right. Um, the car combat's really cool. The uh, the hand-to-hand combat's kind of like a, a busted Arkham Asylum kind of style. Oh, weird. Um, but uh, I liked it. Like, I, I thought it, I thought it, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. Like it wasn't full of life and it wasn't full of things to like see yeah, and do. Would, it was dead. Would and, you consider it kind of a middle market title? Yes. I think that, yes. Cause if, I miss those. I do too. Honestly. Like, yeah. It, 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 that's exactly what it is. Maybe it should have been a $40 game, a THQ style game. Um, I don't, again, I don't know why they released it the same day as Metal Gear. They that's probably bad. could have even pushed it to August and been better off. But yeah, it's one of those kinds of games that, that fits a, a niche and it's not going to be for everybody, but it's about the stylistic approach and kind of the theme. And I, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it was really great. And, and you could probably get that for fucking nothing now. Yeah, it's, three it's probably way old. cheap. Yeah, it's three years old. So yeah, you probably get it for 10 or 20 bucks. Yeah, otherwise with E3, I thought Sony's conference obviously was a disappointment, not from a games perspective, but from a presentational perspective. Those yeah. are two different things. Yeah, definitely. I saw in the video with Bunty that you that you talked about that you don't, you're not a big Last of Us fan. That's one of my favorite games. I was fucking around. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but, I, don't, I don't mind if you do or don't like it. I was curious what you well, thought of the I, sequel. Well, I... I liked. I was. I, I so I went into the Last of Us two kind of like. I feel like the Last of Us is is a very good story. I feel like the game is is pretty solid. Um, I didn't feel an immediate need to play it because I had seen a friend of mine. I had like watched a friend of mine play it while I was doing other stuff, and I just didn't ever feel the need to go through it myself because it didn't feel. The Last of Us doesn't feel like a game with a lot of choice. I guess. I don't know how true that is because I haven't played it, but it just doesn't strike me as that kind of thing where it's like, oh, I want to play that. It's just it's just something that... You, I don't know. I, it's it's odd. But I went into The Last of Us 2 kind of, you know, not all that enthused. I was like, all right, this is probably going to be really solid and well well uh, presented. Uh, but it, it, it did kind of sell me on it. I was actually super into it the second they transitioned out of the... Uh, the dance, the dance sequence, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, this looks cool, and the animations are super fluid, and it's a bit too fluid. Yeah, a they bit... definitely, they definitely hit. Um, I mean, from my perspective, it's like there are things that are triggered, and they they took that route to make yeah. sure that he, she had every encounter. Encounter. It 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 it, op- it looked that sequence was more open than anything in the original last. That's episode. exactly why I was I was looking forward to it. It's just like okay, this is actually a this is actually a sandbox now. Like there are things that actually play into one another it's 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 like a proper it doesn't feel as constrained or like chest high wally you know what i mean right exactly it's a great way to put it and uh the combat looks vicious the combat's insane it looks gruesome i'm like all right i'm down for this i like that they doubled and tripled down on that like people, yeah people keep getting you know the original last of us was great at giving you heft and weight to your to, to killing people yeah, and making yeah. really making people struggle and gurgle and and bleed, and I liked that. But I like that every time Naughty Dog gets criticism about showing too much, they just show more. Yeah, exactly. Like a dude got straight up disemboweled in that, in that, in that, uh, like hanged and disemboweled in yeah. a trailer at E3. They just don't care. Like they're they're clearly trying to say something. Right? It looks really good. I'm 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 actually really excited to, to get my hands on it. I do think it's one of those things where a lot of those anime, it's probably not going to move that smooth in the game, but. The combat's the star to me, because that's mainly that's what the gameplay is. Right. And anything is like how you how you interact with the AI and all that. So if that can be as gruesome and feel as good as it can, I'm totally down. It, I am too. It was and the I, thing that changed my mind the most. Oh, okay. As far as that's as, good. Yeah, because I went from like really like I don't care to like I want to play it. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. I think we'll play it by this time next year. That's my theory. I think it'll be a, a May or June game next year. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting because 
it frustrated me watching it because I'm like, oh, this is I would play this differently, and that and that yeah, showed. Yeah. Me, I'm like, why are you being so loud? And like, go hide and you know. But it, that they showed obviously that would be a boring gameplay uh, to show. So yeah, I I dug that a lot, and um, you know, I think Sony's offerings look really good. Yeah, no, I'm still not. I'm less sold than ever on Death Stranding. I just don't understand what the fuck it is. I yeah, I'm kind of the same. I was I was really excited about it when I first heard about it, and ev- everything I see about it makes me less interested, which is odd because I feel like it's usually the I guess it's kind of like I don't know. Spider Man's kind of like that, but it's Spider Man's almost like I've seen too much. It's like I just want to play it now. But Death Stranding is like I've seen too much and I still don't understand what I'm doing. And I don't know. I, I'm super curious. I want to get my hands on it, but I, I don't know if I'm excited about it right. anymore. Yeah, you know I'm intrigued. I mean? I'm Just intrigued. like I'm intri- Yeah, exactly. It's a good way right. of putting it. I'm intrigued to see how, like what it is. As usual with Kojima stuff, it can be like a this masterpiece type thing, or it can be like total garbage. And I don't know. You know, like <laughs> what, uh, I I think his I think he's a little. Uh, I like Kojima. I don't know that Sony. I'm sure they're going to be happy with this relationship, but I don't know that Sony even thought through what they were doing with him. They just wanted to get him. Um, yeah. And the game came kind of secondarily or tertiarily from what they were, you know, the the optional, you know, they announced it so early just to be like, look, we, I think it would have been way cooler for him to go silent for a couple of years and then be like, you know, we're, we're making a PlayStation game. And yeah, and we the, have, the industry it, seems to have a hard time waiting. Yeah, it sucks. And that, and that goes back to the Bethesda thing, right? Like, yeah, just wait, just wait just until wait. Starfield is showable. Exactly. Show it. it was so cool that Fallout 4 was announced and then four months later it came out. That was fucking cool. Yeah, that was that was that got me really excited. That's like, like spend show us the game spend a half an hour on it but but have someone or have something that can that can be showed. I will say this that I think uh, Microsoft won E3. I know I don't like using that terminology it's, yeah, necessarily. It's, it's not a competition, right? But, but I think their their conference is probably the strongest. Uh, I don't I don't know who everybody else just kind of, like Sony had the worst conference, but I'm like excited about like pretty much everything except except Stranding. It's, yeah, you know, but. But I'm intrigued by Stranding, so it's like a pretty it's 100 across the board. Like I want this. I, I'm curious about it. But they had a really good showcase, I thought. I was like surprised by it because I usually go into Microsoft. I was like, all right, this, we'll, we'll see how this goes. They did exactly what they had to do. Yeah, no, they, and I was I was more than satisfied. And I think it. that I think a lot of the criticisms about, well, a lot of these games are on PS4, and all, I'm like, that's fine. But like, the criticisms of Microsoft at E3 were suggesting that they should have just never shown up. Like, well, well, why bother? You know, like that was kind of the. I'm like, yeah, but, yeah. but they did exactly like video games. Making video games is hard. It's expensive. It takes time. And they were supposed to have Scalebound now. They were supposed to have Phantom Dust now. They're, you know, Crackdown is supposed to be out. These games yeah. are canceled or delayed. Like, they, you can't just materialize shit out of nowhere. Like, it, I just don't think people really th- are thinking this one through. Like, mm-hmm. they showed up and said, like, we are serious about making this better. And so we bought five studios. And we have these exclusives that you guys love and are excited about. And we're working on the new console. And which I think might have been a mistake to say. And all that other stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's... Like I watched it, I was like, "This is great. This is exactly what they needed to do." And the criticism of them, I think, is silly because I think it's just, it's basically saying like, if my if that didn't win you over, then what the fuck were they supposed to do? Like, what? Why? Yeah, even I have think a press people conference? were expecting literally everything to be a new IP, and that's a huge mistake. Which even Sony didn't have. Right. Exactly. They had Spider-Man and Death Stranding and Days Gone. Did they show Days Gone at all? No. Uh, no, they didn't show Days Gone. I think it was behind closed doors. I just, I, I was a little frustrated by that by people's reaction to Microsoft. And I say that as someone who doesn't play Xbox. I just, right. I just, I just don't, I think it showed like a little bit of a lack of, I don't want to say, I think, I think hardcore gamers, people that listen to this show inherently know how games are made 
But I also think that people kind of detach themselves from that reality when they want to see something different. And the reality is, is that X, you're going to see a different Xbox in three or four years. Like, that's just the way, like, it's just going to take yeah, time. It takes time. And also, gener- next generation is right around the corner. So Exactly. And the, and it was, a, it was a great coup de grace to have a studio in Santa Monica. Um, I think that that's being overlooked by a lot of people. That's going to allow them to attract incredible talent because this is where Naughty Dog is. This is where uh, Sony Santa Monica is. This is where Blizzard is. This is a lot of a lot of teams are here. And so putting something in L.A., great idea. Just yeah. a really, really great idea. People don't have to relocate. And you can just poach the shit out of people. And as far as I understand, I think they're working hard on doing just that. So. Yeah, no. the show got me excited. I was I was pretty into everything. Anything that I wasn't into is it was just like kind of like this thing where it's like, okay, there's variety here. Like uh, there's there's like weird some anime stuff that I didn't, I didn't care about, like tales or something. Yeah, like, I'm I, not I'm not into that. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of variety there. So I mean, I don't know, I don't know what people want. Anything anything that Japanese is just always out of place at Microsoft conference. <laughs> it's the same thing with that From game that was there, right? The uh, oh, the uh, Shadows Die Twice. Yeah, is that what? It, yeah, is that yeah. Sekiro. Sekiro. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm ex- I'm really excited for that. It's I don't cool as hell, but I don't like. I didn't. I didn't even care about Dark Souls. I don't like Dark Souls. I, I liked Bloodborne a little bit more, but this is like okay. Hey, they put grappling hooks in it, which I said already. You put a grappling hook in it, I'll play it. There, yeah. That's so. That's it's the fun. Chris. That's the Chris Raygun guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm the same way with you. I didn't like Demon Souls. Dark Souls didn't really do it for me. I liked Bloodborne a lot because I think it was just a little more fluid. Yeah, um, it's way more fluid, I think. It's worth noting, I didn't include it in our news uh, lineup, but Bloodborne 2 was leaked by a retailer hmm. in like Europe, but I don't believe it. Really? So uh, yeah, so I just, I, like, I don't, that's a weird leak. That's a weird leak for a game that hasn't been announced yet. And from software seems to be working on so many games that I don't know that I don't know the internal workings of them if they've scaled again, but it just seems like, or maybe they're not doing it. They don't own that IP, but, uh, Mm. I just, I'm surprised that there's not been a Bloodborne 2 announcement yet, but at the same time, I don't believe that. So I'm throwing that out there. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. On the show. I mean, we'll see if that materializes. I mean, it would be smart for them to materialize that, but I don't even know if you, PS4 is so late in the game now that i don't know i don't know that you need anything else like i don't know that you need to announce any other games uh exclusive games for the console i think everything that you announce from this point on needs to be on the next console you know or straddle. i think we've already, i mean we've probably already seen a few of those yeah i think death stranding is one of them and i think that uh you, Cyber- think, you think death stranding is a next gen i said at the very beginning i think it's gonna be i at the very beginning i was like this isn't a ps4 game and now i think that i, I think it'll be both i know cyberpunk's definitely not yeah cyberpunk's absolutely not a it's definitely no, like, I, and I don't think they should be specking for you know. Remember, we had you know, Watchdogs and and uh, Wolfenstein and all these games that cross generation and it held them back. And I, I don't want the, I don't want to see them do that. Yeah, you know? that's 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 a tricky thing though. Is is you want to get your game to as wide of an install base as possible? So I, I don't know. I, I really do hate cross that cross gen phase where like everything's kind of gimped, right? For to run on something with five hundred megabytes of RAM. But I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to stop, really. Yeah, I think. Well, what's ironic to me, Chris, is that they they I think they did that more so than usual last time because I don't think they expected the consoles to do as well. And now I don't know that the shoe's going to be on their other foot. Like, I think that maybe they're going to be too bullish about this next generation. I think people are very satiated and satisfied right now. Yeah. Um. So I think, you know, I've always been of the mind that PS5, I think PS5 is being readied and was being readied for 2019 launch. But I don't think that that's true anymore. It's worth noting that PS3 was being primed for a 2005 launch, and it ended up launching yeah, yeah. in 2006. I think 2020 is a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I think it's so also too. just a great year to launch something because mm-hmm. it just sounds good. Yeah, it's, oh, per- it's 2020. Perfect. It's perfect. perfect. Yeah, especially if they can do some. 
I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly how they would do it, but the the nine nine ninety nine date massage that they did with Dreamcast, if they could figure out some sort of alliteration, yeah, around funny. twenty twenty, that would be cool. Whether yeah. it's something twentieth, twenty twenty, you know, whatever the case might be, I think you're right there. Well, how did we do? How do you think we did on our first episode? I don't know. I think I think it's pretty pretty good, pretty good, pretty good show. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I like what we have going I said, on here. I I know I'm gonna get, I know I'm gonna get comments like Chris says right a lot. It's because it's a crutch. Well, just use your crutch. I don't mind. Yeah, I'm using my crutch. Right? Don't, don't, yeah. I don't mind you. Right. I, I've said this many times. If you... I'm not used to podcasts. Well, you'll get used to it. You did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but my whole thing with, with podcasting is I try to be forgiving of people. Like, I say things probably repeatedly and I don't realize it or a lot of ums and stuff when you're thinking. What I always say to people when they want to criticize is you sit in front of a microphone for 90 minutes and we'll pick apart what you have to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's we'll not see, easy. We'll see how you, we'll see, we'll, we'll pick out your little quirks too. So be forgiving. We're getting there. This is only the first of what could be literally thousands of episodes. Maybe we'll do this well into the 2100s. Yeah. But at the very least, we have our first episode in the can. I'm super excited about it. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, co-hosted by yours truly and Chris Ragon. Chris, where can everyone find you? Uh, my YouTube channel is the same thing. It's Chris Raygun. Uh, I, th- I believe it's the same thing in the U- URL too. And uh, Twitter on Chris R. Gunn and pretty much everywhere else. You- you'll find me. If you want to find yeah. if you want to find me, you'll find me. Yeah. And if you don't, you're still probably going to find him anyway. Yeah. And if you don't find me, I'll find you. Oh, oh, getting a little threatening the audience. That's all right. Threaten them. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe it's not a threat. It's a promise. You can find me at no taxation on, uh, on Twitter and what is it? CLS Moriarty on Instagram. And remember, you know, subscribe to the show. I, we, we, we need your guys help with the show. We need your guys help. So spread the word. If you, if you know someone in real life or on a forum or whatever that is looking for a PlayStation podcast that misses the day, the golden days of my old PlayStation podcast. I think, I think the show has the potential. And I think will be the best one I've done. And I want you guys to listen to it and I want you guys to enjoy it. Please review it on iTunes and Google play subscribe Spread the word, retweet, do whatever you have to do. Let's get this show out there. Um, and of course, your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand is essential. Uh, you know, you're not only putting money into CLS, you're paying Chris Raygun for his time as well. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a selling point. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to see him be poor, in which case you shouldn't you shouldn't pay. Um, well, that's it. I, I think I think this is a good first foray. Remember, your feedback's essential. Keep it coming. Look for if you're a two dollar up subscriber on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand, look for the thread for episode two and, and forward going forward. That's where you can leave all your comments, uh, your feedback. Let's try to name these segments. Let's try to get an order of the show that's predictable. We can get we can have a lot of fun with this, I think. Yeah, guys, we're in early access right now. We're, we're in early we're access. Working out, ironing out the kinks. Did it go as well as you thought it would, or did it go worse than you thought it would, or did it go better it than you It went better than I thought it would. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's great. I think so. That's great. Because I'm not used to doing this uh, this kind of thing. Well, all that you, often. I, I do it on streams, you know. Right. But, you know, it's a different thing. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to just, you're, we're going to get there. I'm com- 100% confident we're going to get there. So thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you guys out there. And we'll see you next week for episode two. Hell yeah. Of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. Until then, goodbye. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast is fan supported over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon. And I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. 
Harshiv Bahia, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Spencer Brand, Isaac Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, John Burry, Alex Cabrera, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancado, Matthew Canoy, Shermer Carter, William Cashel, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, Kenneth Char, David Chestnut, Steve Clifford, Dan Clifford, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Nick Cummings, Daniel D'Amour, Daniel Delanikos, Mitchell Durkash, Luke Drake, David Ellis, Eric Finkenbeiner, Michael Fior, Connor Gazian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Daniel Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Richard Green, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Tyler Harris, Wyatt Henry, Andrew Hess, Josh Yeager, Paul Joyce, Jeremy Key, Nathaniel Khalil, Taylor Christian Laudrin, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lewin Ray Loper, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, John McManus, Joe McPartland, Mike Menzel, Albert Miranda, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Brian Nietzsche, Connor Nesbitt, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Adam O., Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Reed K. Park. Parker, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius Garzan Peterson, Enrique Perez, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Lawrence F. Prokop, Eric R. Pryor, Jordan Ray, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Austin Riley, Ryan Robertson, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Petro Rose, Michael Sanchez, Matthew Savoy, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Mike Shaw, Rayan Shinebarger, Toby Schutman, German Sadu, Jordan Smith, Riley Smith, Alexander Suarez, Ahmad Tamar, Tam Tran, Kevin Van Ekren, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Chris Wong, Michael Wells, Tyler Woodall, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Super Shot ST, Casual Misfits Gaming, Mad Mock Media, Beric, Mubarak, Dav9834, Chris, Doc2015, and Random Guy Radio.